Oh, man, I love a good thriller, don't you? Come on, is anybody in the house today? Come on, how good is it to meet together? We want to welcome you to Elevate at the Movies. You, if you're here for the first time today and you're wondering what the heck is going on here, this is all kinds of weird things in the foyer. And uh, no, this isn't normal, but we are in the middle of a theme right now called At the Movies, where we're finding spiritual content in, in certain movies and then preaching about it mixed with the Word of God on Sunday morning. So you came on a great day because we're having a lot of fun this month. Has anybody enjoyed this theme? Come on, hasn't this been great? But I love a good thriller. It's always a lot of fun. We want to dismiss the kids this morning. All the kids, feel free to get out of here. you got great things to learn back in our E-Kids Center. I've only heard really, really great, uh, uh, really great feedback from what's been going on back there. God's been doing a work in our kids. If you haven't known that, kind of open up your eyes a little bit. See, our kids are growing in the things of God, and there's no greater thing than to see that. So we're, we're, we're grateful for them this morning. Uh, I'm also really excited this morning because I've got family today in the house. My sister, Kina, is here, and her husband, Chad, and their two little girls, Quincy and Emery. And uh, anybody that doesn't live near their family, you know how joyful it is and how much of a privilege and a, and a, and a just a straight joy that it is when they when they're visiting so make sure that you get get around them after the service let them know that you're grateful that they're here this morning. Today, if you want to give, if you want to be a part of Elevate with your tithes and offerings, we encourage you to do so, not because God needs your money, but because you need to give because God wants to do something in your life through your giving. There's some, there's some easy ways to give here. You can scan this code with your phone. It's a safe, very safe, and a very effective way of giving. It's usually how I give is on the app. You can give on the app. You can text to give. You can give online, give with cash or check, however you want to do it. There's some giving boxes that are lighting up blue in the back. That's what those are. But we encourage you to do that today. Be a part of the family of God. Be a part of what God's doing here in Southern California. So we encourage you to do that. You know, last Sunday, excuse me, this is the last Sunday in uh, what's been a tremendous theme here, Elevate at the Movies. We've enjoyed this. It's been really great. Um, in the first, the first month, uh, the first week of this month, Drew spoke a message, a tremendous message. How many remember that one? And he used the movie. He used the movie. If you know Drew, it's going to be this all day long. He used Star Wars, and it was very cool. He did a tremendous job. It was really excellent. And then two weeks ago, Brother Dave Arabalo, he spoke using the movie. I had never seen this movie before that. He used the movie The Warriors. How many remember that? What a great message that was. What a tremendous time we had. And then last week... Jordan spoke an awesome message using the movie The Goonies. How many were here last Sunday? Wasn't that tremendous? Wasn't that a lot of fun? I'll tell you what, I love being in a church that loves to have a good time. Because you know, we can have fun in church. Church should be a fun place to be. I believe that with all my heart. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the movie Signs. So, Signs. Someone say Signs. Excuse me. Something in my throat. We're using the movie Signs. And Signs is the newest of the four movies that we're speaking about this month. Signs came out in 2002. It's an older movie. It's directed by M. Night Shyamalan. If anybody's an M. Night Shyamalan fan, you know that he's kind of a hit and miss director. But in my opinion, and you might disagree with this, which I don't really care, but in my opinion, this is his best film by far. Right, Luis? It's the best film by M. Night Shyamalan. We were talking about it yesterday. Amazing film. It's got amazing actors. Mel Gibson is in it, as you saw, and he's, a, he's just one of the best actors ever. Joaquin Phoenix. But this movie's got great kid actors, which is kind of unusual. And we've got, we've got Abigail Breslin and Rory Culkin, and they just, they just kill it in this film. But what I like about this film 
What I like about this film is that this movie is such a good representation of you and me and our connection together in the body of Christ, especially in this day and in this time. Are you with me this morning? It's a great representation of us together in the body of Christ right now. And I want to start off today by showing one of the last scenes in the film. We're going to show a short version of it, and then we're going to go back through the film and talk about it a little bit together. Let's play that clip. All right. <laughs> oh, I love this film. <laughs> it's a great movie. So this is one of the last scenes in the film, okay? And this is kind of a crazy part of this movie, okay? But this is one of the last scenes in this film. And the reason that I want to show this part first is because this part is like the culmination of a whole bunch of events, a bunch of crazy stuff going on, and it all comes to this moment of all this stuff, all this uncertainty, and everything boils down to this moment in time where our main characters are confronted by an alien in the living room. And so now we have to ask the question, how on earth did we get to this point? How did we get right here? What brought us to this? And we're going to come back to this scene in a bit. We're going to come back to this, and it's all going to come together, I promise. But first, I'd like to share some things that are relevant to you and I that take place earlier in the film. You know, most people see the movie Signs. They watch this film, and they think, oh, man, cool, cool alien movie. What a cool alien movie. And, but the truth of it really is this movie is not about aliens. It's actually not about aliens at all, almost. This movie, although yes, okay, there's an extraterrestrial happening and things go crazy and aliens kind of do come to Earth, but this is not a movie about aliens. This is a movie about faith. And I'm totally serious. This is a movie about faith. It's a movie about faith. Signs is a film that grapples with the question, are we alone? But it's not the question, are we alone, like, oh, are there aliens out there somewhere in the universe? No, this grapples with the question, are we alone? Is there a God up there looking out for us? That's what this movie grapples with. So this morning, watching that first clip, we can see that in this moment, this moment in the living room, our main characters, they find themselves in a bizarre and a very dangerous situation. They're in a dangerous situation. It's actually, it's actually a very good representation of where we are as the church and where we find ourselves right now. Right? Come on, is anybody awake this morning? We need, we need extra energy this morning. It's actually a very good representation of where we as the body of Christ are right now at this moment. Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Did you know that our world is being invaded? Did you know that? Our world is being invaded by darkness and by evil, and it's wild and unpredictable. It is dangerous, it's, it's, it's ugly, it's strange, and it's a lot of things that are happening right now that we have never encountered before as the body of Christ. Some really weird stuff has been going on. If you've been looking around, you've been noticing over the last few years, and you just kind of stay like, how did we get to this point? So many things have taken place that I would have never guessed could possibly happen, and yet here they are happening. We, the church, are standing in the living room being confronted by an alien. Is anybody out there today? We are being confronted by an alien. How did we get to this point? How did we get here today? So this morning, I want to look at the four main characters in this film. 
And I would like to identify with you four things that, that, that about these characters that make them so relatable to you and to me. And after that, I want to I consider the question that echoes throughout this movie, which is whether things happen by coincidence or if our circumstances, which we have no control over, are signs of a purpose and ultimately a God who has ordained our lives to show his ability to save, heal, protect, and redeem. Are you ready today? Let's pray. Let's open this up. God, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, we thank you for this, this time together, Lord, for this service. Lord, we don't take any service lightly. Lord, we come here because we want to learn. Lord, we come here because we want to hear from your word. And we, we come, Lord, because we're expecting you to do something in our hearts, Lord. So I pray for everyone in this place, including myself, Lord, help us to be on the edge of our seat, so to speak, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak. Lord, move us today. Lord, I pray that you'd bring us to a new place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right. This movie begins by introducing the character Graham. Someone say Graham. Now Graham, he comes across as just a normal guy. This is Mel Gibson's character. Mel Gibson, he just kind of comes across as just this normal dude. There's nothing particularly special about him. But what you learn about Graham is that Graham used to be a reverend. He used to be a, like a pastor or a priest. And Graham, he used to be that, but he is no longer that. What we find out is that he was married. He has two kids, but his wife was killed in a horrible accident where she was, she's hit by a pickup truck while she's walking home. And because of this, because of his wife being killed, Graham has experienced the first relatable thing that I want to talk about this morning, and that is this, loss. Somebody say, loss. Come on, somebody say it again, loss. So what we learn about Graham is that he hasn't just lost his wife, although he has lost his wife, but in losing her, he has also lost his faith. He's lost his faith, and we see that, that because of the loss of his faith, it has resulted in the loss of his joy. It has resulted in the loss of his purpose. And so he goes from being a loving husband and a father and a reverend with people. The whole town looks up to this guy, but because he's lost his faith, now he's just a farmer. Now he's just some guy. He's just a guy that's trying to get through life one day at a time. He's just pushing forward, doing his best to make it through, but he's lost all of the things that gave his life meaning. And you know, there's a lot of people here today that have experienced some kind of loss. You might hear this today and it immediately rings true with you. There's something within your life or something that's happened. Maybe you've lost somebody or whatever, and, and it echoes throughout your daily routine. Every day you're reminded of your loss. It drowns your hopefulness. It questions your faith, and it muddies your value. It muddies your value. This could be the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a relationship. It could be the loss of a dream or a future. It could be the loss of a past church family, something that you put a lot of time and effort into and you got hurt or something happened. It could be any one of these things. And this is where we find our character Graham in this movie. Now, Graham, he's in the process of dealing with, with the loss of his wife. And he doesn't really know how to handle it. And all of a sudden, all these weird things begin to happen. Like he goes out into his cornfield, and he notices, and he discovers for the first time, a crop circle. How many have seen this movie? Come on, how many, how many know this movie? He walks into the field, and he discovers a crop circle. Totally new. Never seen it before. It's weird. He's confused. What, who did this? Where could this have possibly come from? But things begin, to, things begin to happen and things begin to get kind of bizarre. How many know that when it rains, it pours? 
right? When it rains, it pours, if you've heard that expression. So here he is, he's dealing with the loss of his wife, and then it's bam, 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 bam. All these weird problems that, that arise, these crop circles, and they start popping up all over the world, and they're seeing it on the news. On the news, it's showing these crop circles. Where did they come from? And then they're seeing lights in the sky over top of major cities, and it's all over the news. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's weirded out. Everyone's confused. Everyone's scared. And this is where we find Graham in this next clip. So in this very strange and turbulent time in his life, Graham has lost his faith, and yet he's trying to find meaning in what's going on around him. Here's the problem. Now listen to this today. In the absence of faith in God, there is no meaning. In the absence of faith in God, you will never find meaning in life. It doesn't exist. So he's trying to make sense of something that makes no sense using a method that gives no results. And that's what he's doing. And, he, and if you're looking for answers today to the questions of life, if you are, you today, you're here today, and you're looking for answers to the questions in your life in any avenue other than faith in God, then you will be searching for a lifetime without finding any prospect of an explanation. You'll never find it because faith in God is where you find all of the answers. If you didn't know it, you might be here today and you might be searching. That is where you should look. Faith in God is what gives the answers. You and I, we have faith that our God is doing something powerful in these strange times that we're living in. And we can look around and we can see the signs that he has orchestrated a powerful strategy because through our faith, we know how all of this is going to end. It's through our faith. It's through our faith, in our faith in the Word of God and what the Word of God says. Hebrews 12, 2 says, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith and not by sight. But you can imagine, can, well, maybe you can't. Can you imagine living in this world, seeing everything that's going on around us, seeing all the craziness? We live in Southern California. It's about as crazy out here as it's going to be anywhere in the States. And can you imagine living through this life out here right now and having no faith? Can you even imagine what that would be like? Having no faith, no hope, nothing. Having no purpose, no way of dealing with the issues of today, no way with dealing the, with the losses in our lives that we're inevitably going to have. But this is where Graham finds himself within the chaos of this story, with no hope because of the loss of his faith. Now, I want to take a look at another couple of short clips that, uh, that talk about another character in this story that I believe that we can really relate to. Let's play clip number five. All right, in these short clips, we, we are introduced to Graham's daughter, Bo. Bo is an awesome character. I love Bo because Bo reminds us, she reminds us of all of the things that make you and I unique. She reminds us of all the things that make us unique. She's a loving little girl who has this odd kind of nitpicky way that she thinks about the water that she drinks. She'll take a glass of water. She'll be given a glass of water. She'll take a sip, and then she'll put it down. Well, what's wrong with that water? Well, it has a hair in it. Okay, well, what's wrong with this one? Oh, that one has this problem, and that one has this problem. And so she has this weird kind of weird way that she thinks about the water that she drinks. She also, throughout the film, she shows the gift of dreams. She has dreams that point towards things, and she sees things, and things will happen in the film, and then she'll say, oh, I dreamt that this was going to happen. I dreamt that this was going to happen, and this brings us to the second relatable thing about our characters that I want to discuss with you today, and that's this, quirks. Someone say quirks. Quirks. 
quirks. Every one of us has features, personality traits, and quirks that when they are combined together, they make you, you. They make you, you. You might be a talker. Come on, how many know a talker? Come on, we all know somebody who's a talker, a person that you can put them in a conversation with anybody, and they will talk, talk, talk. The conversation could go for days. They could have a discussion with a wall. It doesn't matter. They, they're talkers, and that's something that's, a, that's just a part of your life. You might be a talker. You might be OCD. Is there any OCD people in the house today? People, you just can't, you cannot handle one thing out of place. Everything's got to be where it belongs. Everything's got to be clean. Everything's got to be tidy. You might be a foodie. You might be a foodie. You're, you're always searching for the best new spot, looking, asking around, where, where's the best new spot, or a place I can go get a new, some kind of weird Asian-Mexican fusion food truck thing, whatever. You might be a food foodie. You might be a nerd, a total nerd. Pastor Drew is a nerd. He said it on the first Sunday of this month, and he talked about Star Wars. But you might be a nerd. That might be a part of who you are. What a, what a great thing that that is. You might be an introvert. You might be totally quiet, totally like kind of reserved. You don't want to, you don't want to open up too much. You might be a thinker. You might be someone that you don't do or say anything unless you've thought it through 10 times over and you know exactly what you're going to do and exactly what you're going to say. You might stutter. You might bite your nails. You might be flat out obnoxious. You might collect things. I have a dad that collects things. My father collects all kinds of weird things. One of, one of my favorite things that he collects is he collects, <laughs> he collects antique hotel desk bells. He's got, he, he's got a whole bunch of them, a whole slew of them, antique hotel desk bells. Why? No idea, but he does. He, cre he creates or he collects those things. But God designed you and designed me to be unlike anybody else. Come on, are you with me today? He's designed us to be unlike anyone else. Psalm 139, 13 says, You made all of the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you know what that means? It means that God has been doing a work in you since before you saw the light of day. Did you know that? God has been doing a work in you since before you were born. Do not elevate. Listen, do not be deceived by the lie that there's no reason for your existence. And, and, and don't be deceived by that lie and, 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 and believe that there's no reason for you to go on living. Do not be deceived by it. In the same way, don't be deceived by the lie that just because it isn't technically born, that it's not a human life. Hey, come on, is anybody with me this morning? At Elevate, we speak the truth. We speak the truth and we speak it because it's what we believe. These, these are lies that were conceived by the father of all lies and they're perpetrated by people that lack faith and lack purpose. That's what it is. That's just the way it goes. And the only thing that can be done by someone who doesn't have new life within them is to try to remove the life from someone else because that's the way the enemy works and he'll use any tactic that he can possibly find. Listen, you are not a result. You are a design. Come on, is anybody here today? You are not a result. You are a design. You, you are not an accident. You were planned with strategy and intent. And if not by your parents, you were planned that by the God that made you. Come on, Elevate, are you here today? You are not an extra. 
You're not an extra. You're the only piece of the puzzle that looks like you. You are the only one. And if you're struggling with your identity, I want you to listen to me. Don't be persuaded by what this sad and broken world tells you that you are. The only identity that matters is your identity that spans eternity. And eternity itself was developed by the God who formed you in your mother's womb. Come on, is anybody here today? Come on. So every little thing that makes you who you are is no accident. It's no accident. You are the way you are because God designed you that way. Your quirks are relevant. Your personality is important. Your existence has value. Your presence is a gift from God to the rest of us. You need to know that today. Your, your presence is a gift from God, and you are useful within the family of God. You, we say it here, you are important in God's plan. It's one of our values, and we say it because it's truth. Come on, are you with me this morning? We say it because it's truth. Amen. So we talked about loss, and we talked about quirks. And moving right along, I want to take a look at one of my favorite characters in this entire movie in this next clip. Let's check it out. All right, I think that of all of the things that we can relate to about the characters in this film, I actually think that this one might be the biggest, and that is this, failure. Somebody say failure. Failure. This is where we discover the story behind Graham's younger brother, Merrill. Now, Merrill, he had dreams and he had goals. He had aspirations in life. He wanted to be a professional athlete, and he even showed promise in the minor leagues in baseball. But much like many of us, Merrill put a lot of effort, major effort, into his goals, into his dreams, only to have them dashed by his own lack of self-control. And now, now here's Merrill, and he feels like everywhere he goes, doesn't matter where he is, everywhere he goes, he's reminded of his failure, he's reminded of who everyone perceives him to be, He's reminded of it, and it, it, it's starting to have a real effect on his present, and, uh, his present, and it leaves him wondering what's going to happen in his future. What is left for him? He's just a failure. It's who he is. How many people can relate to that? You felt like a failure. You understand what failure feels like, and it's okay to admit that. It's okay to know what failure feels like. Let me tell you this today, though. Failure is a destroyer. Failure is a destroyer. Now, our view of failure is always negative. We as people, just in general, it's part of how we're wired. We consider failure to always be a negative thing. And it's hard to wrap our minds around how failure could possibly be positive. I know in my own personal life, if you remember, it was about anybody that was here about four or five years ago. I think it was five years ago now. I got really sick, right? I had some major intestinal issues. I had some, I had some, uh, some surgeries and stuff. And, and I remember uh, I, I got really sick. I lost all this weight. I was down to about 155 pounds and I was recovering from these surgeries. And, and I remember thinking, I, I need to get healthy. I need to really, I need to really kind of push myself and start to really get healthy. So I decided what better way to do it than to go and work out with Pastor Adam Friedrich and Jordan. <laughs> and if you know these guys and if you've ever worked out with these guys, you know that they are very competitive with each other. And they always pushing themselves, or at least back then, they were pushing themselves to the limit every day. Jordan would come in like, what's up, bro? What's up, bro? You ready? Are you ready, bro? You ready to lose some weight, bro? Let's go. You know, and he was, he was always like, you know, like that. And, and, and Adam, he would already be at the gym running on the treadmill, like ready to go. And, and so then I get there and he's like, hey, what's up, man? You ready, bro? You ready? And I'm just this, I'm just kind of this thin guy, just kind of moseying in like, yeah, sure, let's go. 
And so I remember even the lightest weight and I was, I would struggle church. I was struggling. I was like barely like cresting, like, like I was really trying and I was failing over and over. And let me tell you, failure is just, it feels demasculating. It feels like it just takes away every, every confidence that you have. It takes it away. And I would, I would leave the gym so broken, so just emotionally and just really spiritually just drained. Just, I just took everything out of me, not just physically. But I remember having a conversation with Pastor Adam, and he said something kind of profound to me. And he was talking about, hey, you got to understand something, that your failure when you're working out, that's part of working out. I never knew this before, but failure is a part of working out. I'm sure everybody knows this already, but for me, this was really quite enlightening. No, but failure is a part of working out. You can't get bigger until you fail. You can't get bigger until you fail. You have to fail to move on. You have to fail to know where you stand. It's all a part of working out. And James 1.12 says this. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, in your life, failure is not intended to be the end of your journey. It's not intended to be the end of your journey. It's intended to be the catalyst for your success. That's what failure actually is. We consider it this very depressing, horrible thing. Oh, I failed. I failed. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to go. But no, failure opens your eyes to today's limits so that you can see the path to tomorrow's goals. That's what failure actually is. That's what failure is. And so many believers are walking around treating their failure like it's their defeat. They're treating failure like defeat. But God is saying to you today that your failure is part of getting bigger. God is saying all those things that you failed at in your life, hey, it's part of getting bigger. It's part of moving forward. It's a part of life. Failure is part of how we go forward. You can't get bigger unless you experience failure. You can't get good at anything in life without first failing at it. Come on, is anybody in the house today? You can't get good at anything without first failing at it. If you're bound by failure today, remember that failure will do one of two things. It will either destroy you or it will motivate you, and that is your choice. It will either destroy you or it will motivate you, and that is entirely up to you. But I want to tell you today that failure, if you're in this place and you've experienced some major failure in your life, you need to know this. God wants to use your failure in moving you forward to great things. It's not the end for you. Don't think of it that way. Don't think of it that way. So we talked about loss. We talked about quirks. We've talked about failure. And I want to talk about the last uh, character in this film. Uh, and uh, let's check out that clip. Clip number seven. Some of you are seeing this and you're like, man, I got to see this film. And if you haven't seen it, you're correct. You need to see this film. And some of you are sitting here thinking, man, I need to watch this film again. This is a great film. Now, finally, we have the last character that we want to talk about today, and that is the character. His name is Morgan. Now, the reason Morgan's character is so important is because throughout this film, Morgan never loses his faith. Morgan's character never loses his faith. He's the one character in the film that never loses faith. He never loses his faith. By, by the way, I love the picture of the whole family linked together to get a signal. I love that because in the family of God, we are, we're linking each other's arms. We're linking arms with each other. We're just trying, we're trying to catch that signal. We're trying, we're trying to, 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 to make something happen. This is, this is who we are. I just love the visual of that. It has nothing to do with the message. But uh, anyway, I love that visual. But the reason Morgan's important is because he never loses his faith. 
He believes that everything happens for a reason. He believes that everything has a purpose. He believes that they're going to survive whatever comes their way. And he doesn't stop believing in the God that his father lost faith in. He doesn't stop believing. Morgan is a believer. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and what we learn very quickly about Morgan is the fact that he has bad asthma. You see it throughout the film. He carries around a little, a little uh, uh, what do you call it, an inhaler with him, and, and he's always having these bad asthma attacks. It's been a struggle for him ever since he was a kid, and he's puffing on this asthma inhaler thing, and it's, it's been an issue for him. And that brings us to the final thing, the final character in this film that we can identify with, and the thing that we're going to talk about is this, sickness. Somebody say sickness. Sickness. We're moving forward as quick as we can here. Now, I, I've had to deal with some sickness in my own life. My wife and I have had to deal with some, some medical issues together. And there's a lot of people in this church that have had to deal with major, major medical issues and sickness and, and, and things of that nature. And it's never fun. It's never easy. It's extremely challenging. And some are battling sickness right now. You might be in that. You might be dealing with it right now at this moment. And it rocks your world. It turns everything upside down. And it brings so many questions into your life. And it causes you to start trying to find where is God in all of this. And Morgan battles his sickness, but he never loses faith that everything happens for a reason. He never loses that faith. His faith comes first, no matter what, even during his sickness. And I want to tell you something that I have learned today. I want to, I want, if I can, through the sickness that I have dealt with, and maybe this is going to help somebody there today. Okay, check this out. What I've learned is that your trust in God during sickness must be displayed in your worship. Your trust in God during your sickness has to be displayed in your worship. Your worship is a powerful thing, no question. Any Sunday that you're here and we're worshiping together, it's powerful. But when you do it, when you're in the middle of something like that, it takes on a whole nother meaning. It's uh, something, be, something begins to happen. If you only worship God on the good days, then you miss out on what worship actually is. Worship is not a good times thing. Worship is an every time thing. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Worship has to come first. So I've learned it like this. And this is what God has kind of shown me. Check this out. Your trust in God during sickness must be displayed in worship. Your worship to God during sickness develops a healthy spirit. And a healthy spirit possesses all of the strength that you need to endure sickness. Did anybody hear me today? I'm going to say it one more time. Your trust in God during your sickness must be displayed in worship. Your worship to God during sickness develops a healthy spirit. And a healthy spirit possesses all of the strength that you need to endure your sickness. Jeremiah 17, 14, it says, Heal me, O God, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one that I praise. Our praise, our worship is the forefront of who we are. It's the forefront of who we are at this church is the forefront of who we are as believers. Is anybody in the house today? Amen. Amen. We have to understand that praise precedes the healing. So we talked about loss. We talked about quirks. We talked about failure and sickness. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what does this have to do with anything about aliens in this film? And I'm glad that the question has been posed because we're going to answer it together right now. Because it's not exactly the best grouping of things to go into a battle with an alien in the living room. You don't go into a battle with an alien in the living room and then think to yourself, well, it's okay, I'm sick. 
right? None of these things are, seem like they would be able to help in this particular situation. But now we come full circle. We're back to this crazy scene, this moment in the living room where their minds are racing and they're trying to get a grip on what's happening. And it's in this moment that Graham has these flashbacks. And specifically, he has a flashback in his mind back to the moment when his wife passed away. It's this really powerful scene. And you see her, she's, she's pinned between this pickup truck and this tree, and she's got moments left to live. And she's laying there, he's holding her hand, and, and, and she's just trying to kind of talk to him just as she's, as she's kind, of, kind of fading away. And the final words that she says to him are this. She says, tell Graham to see. Now, he is Graham. But she says, tell Graham to see. And it's almost as though as her, as her eyes are glazing over, it's almost like God begins to speak through her and say, tell Graham to see. And then she says, tell Meryl to swing away. How many remember this part of the film? Tell Meryl to swing away. Let's play that final clip, and then we'll talk about this together. How many cry when you watch movies? I'm not a person that cries when they watch movies, but I'm going to tell you right now, I cry every single time I watch that part of this film because it's incredibly powerful. You know, uh, the amazing thing about our salvation is that everything that you and I consider a regret, every single thing that you and I consider a regret, a negative, whatever it is, God will always turn it into a powerful positive. Come on, I know that we're a couple minutes over, but we're just going to finish this out together. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, you know it. He is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. The good fight that you and I are engaged in today for our church, our children, our city, our nation, and for our, uh, for our generation, it appears to us sometimes like it's unwinnable. It appears to us sometimes like we can't win this fight. We're standing in the room with an alien in the living room, and all it takes, all it takes, is for us to get our minds wrapped around the fact that our God has orchestrated the most amazing strategy for you and I. And it's in this moment that we realize failure becomes a weapon. Quirks and personality traits, they become tools. Flaws become stepping stones. Dreams become directions. Loss becomes foresight and unwavering belief gets rewarded. The things in your past are no longer regrets and missteps, but they become an arsenal of weapons to aid you and I in the fight that we are facing right now. Now listen, listen, they used to be regrets, those things, they all used to be that. That is what they used to be. But, but God in his amazing wisdom and grace has repurposed our damage. He's repurposed it to benefit us in the here and now. Romans 8, 28. It says, we know this scripture, it says, we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The misconception is that the negative past experiences somehow lessen your worth. But the truth is that God's, when God saves us, he adopts every part of who we are, including your past. And so now, rather than being turned off by our mistakes, God says, I can use that. God doesn't say, oh, those are mistakes. I don't know about that. No, he says, I can make use of that. I can make use of that. What you did in your past that you regret, I can take that and I can turn it around and use it for good. That's what God does in our lives. And so many believers are asking the question now today in this world, how did we get to this point and how do we defeat this? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. My failures mixed with your losses, mixed with her faith, mixed with their quirks and their personality traits, it ends up looking like this. Your testimony 
mixed with my testimony, mixed with our passion together, mixed with the power of God, there is no enemy that can come against what God is doing here in this ministry, in this church, in the church at large. God is doing a great work. Next week, we're going to be unrolling, rolling out our e-groups. And if you don't, if you are not a part of our e-groups, I want to tell you today, you want to become a, you want to, you want to get a part of this. You want to find a group of people that you can rub shoulders with, that can encourage you, that can lift you up, that can, that can help you move forward in your life. It's an important thing. We want to make sure that everyone is a part of those. When we spend time together, we encourage and we strengthen each other. Listen, we are dealing with a world that needs to hear your story. They need to hear our story. They need to hear our testimony. We're living in a culture of confusion. We're living in a time when people don't know who or what they are. And truth isn't truth anymore. It's this weird, perverted version of the truth. We're facing an enemy who lives within the shadows. And this is exactly the way Satan, he messes with us. He lives, he stays within the shadows. He's going to hide within worldly agendas and call them moral. He's going to try to steer our cultural norms and call it progress. He's going to use hurts from your past to deter you from being an effective Christian today. He's going to try to sway believers away from the gospel and call it enlightenment. But let me tell you this today. Let me tell you something. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that isn't swayed by cultural agendas. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that looks to God himself for the answers, that believes that there is a God that is doing and orchestrating our lives together, together so that we can utilize our pasts and our regrets and he can take it and use it for good and change this world one person at a time. This is what we believe here at Elevate. This is what we believe. As we close this out, can we just, can everybody stand to your feet? We're not gonna do like a big altar call today, but, but I, wanna, I wanna just put this out there. If you're here today and you've dealt with or you're dealing with some of these things in your life, you're dealing with loss, you're dealing with, with some kind of struggle with failure or, or maybe you're, you're dealing with some sickness or somebody in your family dealing with sickness, these are all parts of life, and they're difficult parts of life, difficult things for us to deal with. But I would like to do something today, if we can, and we can be honest together. If you're dealing with one of those things or something else, something in your past, or something that wasn't mentioned, there's a whole slew of things that the enemy can use against you, but God can use it and will use it for your good. So if it, can we get some honest people today? If there's something that, that's, that, that's on your heart right now, and I wonder, can you just lift up your hand? We're going to pray about it all together today. Come on, anybody in this place, and there's something that you you've been dealing with. There's something that, that, that God is kind of pressing on you right now. God wants to do something within you. We're just going to pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for all these honest people this morning. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that together, Lord, we're, we're not just a bunch of uh, broken people, Lord. Lord, you have made us whole. You are making us whole. And all the things, Lord, that we have hands raised about, Lord, all of those things in our past, all of those missteps, Lord, all of those things that, that look like a negative to us, Lord, you can use them for good and you will use them for good. Lord, as our our world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, God. It doesn't matter. You are going to use these people. You are going to use us, our testimonies, Lord, to speak to this world and to speak to all the people, Lord, and to bring them in one person at a time. Lord, I pray that you use us. Lord, we're asking, Lord, use us. Lord, we open ourselves up to you, God. I thank you, Lord. Change the script, Lord. Flip the script. Lord, tilt the scales, Lord Jesus, in our minds, Lord, that we can understand, Lord, what it is that you're doing within us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How many appreciate that? Uh, you know, you look around the room and there's 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 so many people. We all there's so many people in this room. You've experienced loss. 
I, I, I recognize that. Well, look around the room. There's a lot of people with different quirks, right? How many can look at your neighbor and go, you got some quirks? Look at them. Do it. Tell them. You got some quirks. There's all of us. A lot of us have, have, have had different times where we've experienced failure in our lives. I know many of us have experienced sickness. Or we know someone that's experienced sickness and it's affected our lives in some way or another. And it's interesting that how Bryn was able to tie that all together and it's all of those things. It's all of those different circumstances and experiences and the things that make up our life. It's those things that God uses for His glory. It's how we defeat the enemy. It's, 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 he's allowed those things to happen to, to turn it around for good. And I know that there's a lot of people in here that love God, and, and maybe right now you're struggling because of one of the things that Bren mentioned, those different character traits that we saw in the movie. And maybe you're, you're, it, it's bothering you, those different things, for whatever reason. Maybe you're blaming God, or maybe, uh, maybe you're just struggling with, with guilt or, or, or shame or whatever the case may be because of these things that you carry. I want to just remind you today is that is that that's what God uses. That's the stuff that God uses. It's the ingredients that He uses to build His kingdom. It's the things He uses to get the glory in your life. And so we thank God for that. We thank God for the trials. That seems so crazy, doesn't it? And the Bible says that to, to, to not be surprised at it, but actually thank God for it. But the reason we thank God because we know that he, it's the ingredients that He uses to do what He, what he wants to do. And so, God, we thank you for that. Maybe right now, right where you're at, wherever, whatever you're going through right now, we can thank God for that. God, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, we know you're doing something new. We know you're doing something fresh. God, we're grateful for it. We thank you for this word today. And Lord, we bring it all to you. Lord, all of our loss, all of our quirks, our failures, our sickness, Lord, we bring them to you. Lord, do what you do. Turn it around for the good because we love you and we're called according to your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Thank, thank you, Bryn, for that great word. Listen, Bryn's had a workout today, all right? He's led two worship services and preached twice. And so I think we should give him a big round of applause. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. What a word. You know, I've, I've really enjoyed this series. I've had five weeks off. And I've been really nervous, thinking, about, man, i got to preach next Sunday. And uh, I already came up with my sermon title. It's called Beans, Rice, and Jesus Christ, okay? Next Sunday, Beans, Rice, and Jesus Christ. So, so next week is going to be a really great time because we're going to be praying over our team that's going to Africa. And we're going to have our e-group launch, which is, which is going to be really, really exciting. There's, there's a small group for you to be a part of here. And, and we want everyone to be a part of a group and to, and, to, and to make community. It's not good for man to be alone. We're meant to do life together. And so next week, we're going to launch our fall, hub, our fall e-groups. And, and at the same time, what's really cool is that at the end of service, we have McGee's. Uh, it's, a, it's a great restaurant in the Grove, at the Grove Farmer's Market in Hollywood. Well, the owner happens to be a part of our church. And uh, we, they are working together with Johnny and Jen, putting together an amazing lunch. 
And this lunch, all the proceeds from it are going toward our Africa trip. And so I know they're pre-selling tickets right now. Those tickets are $15. You can pick them up in the cafe today. And uh, it'd probably be a good idea for you to get one of those today so that next week we don't sell out and you miss out. But it's going to be a great time. Listen, bring someone to church with you next Sunday. Bring a neighbor. Bring a friend. They're going to be blessed. It's going to be a great time. And so just just know that next Sunday, next Sunday, beans, rice, and Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great great rest of your week. We'll see you Sunday. Make sure you visit with one another. one another know you love each other. God bless you.